And there's a cat. She is. Rubbing just came up and rubbed the microphone. <laughs> Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. This week, we're heading back to Texas to check in on the other Texas team, the one named after the people of Texas, the Houston Texans. Joe, are you excited? I'm very excited. We're uh, seven, 30 seconds of the way through this. Well, after this, we're going to be an even quarter of the way done. It's fantastic. I'm excited to talk about the Texans. And then this is it, where this is only two Texas teams. That's right. We'll be done with the, the great state of Texas. The most football-loving state in our country. Yep. Well, not yet, Joe. We've got the whole episode in front of us. For those of you expecting a doubleheader this week with the Atlanta Falcons, it has been canceled by me due to sickness and fatigue. I refuse to do the Falcons episode until I'm at the top of my game because I fear that reliving that Super Bowl loss might kill me in my current state. But the Texans, that's okay. I can handle this. I'm putting my hard hat on. We're going to power through this episode, Joe. So Dan, what are we drinking today? I'm not drinking anything, but you are drinking Texas tea. Yeah. Which is, so Texas tea is like a Long Island iced tea but has whiskey in it also. Boy, so it's equal parts tequila, rum, vodka, gin, whiskey, triple sec, sweet and sour with a splash of Coke. Did you actually make that drink? I actually made it. And while I was making it, I really thought that um, it was a prank. (laughs) Pouring in (laughs) liquor after liquor. I literally took out every bottle from our liquor cabinet. And I I just couldn't believe that it just kept going. It, It is... You've got it, a full it, glass there, and yeah. it is this drink is like thirty percent alcohol. It reminds me of um, your college days when you're poor and you're scrounging for things to drink, and like after a party, you might go find like the various cups that have been left around, and you kind of pour them to make one drink. Just so much different stuff in one drink cannot be good for you. Yeah, well, I actually I used to drink Long Island iced teas in college all the time. It was a really favorite drink of mine, and I thought they were pretty damn good. But the addition of uh, whiskey, I think, is... Yeah, let's just bit... try to try another alcohol in this. Yeah. And my current state, I unfortunately can't drink it. I'm drinking another form of tea, green tea. Fair enough. I'll take one for the team. That's why I'm drinking such a big glass. Yeah. I don't think you could even handle a doubleheader after this thing. That is Ooh, just... Not going to know if I can handle a single header with this thing. Yeah. But, hey, one great part about this drink. So the Texas tea is a mainly based after the Long Island iced tea. And this drink is probably the only drink we're going to do in this entire series where we have a primary source talking about its creation. The man who invented the Long Island iced tea goes by the name of Robert Butt, and he has a website or had a website about the Long Island iced tea and detailing its invention. The website has since been taken off the internet, but luckily the archive.org people, they had uh, visited this website and we can just read. You went into like the deep web for this research i did well you know we have no stone unturned here (laughs) the world this is written by him this is his website as you'll see it meanders between sort of first person and also third person although he wrote the whole thing (laughs) the world famous long island iced tea first invented in 1972 by me robert butt while i was tending bar at the infamous oak beach inn nicknamed rosebud by the owner of the bar I participated in a cocktail creating contest. 
Okay, nicknamed Rosebud. So that's passive voice. Okay, that's still first person, I guess, sort of. Anyways, I participated in a cocktail creating contest. Triple sec had to be included, and the bottles started flying. My concoction was an immediate hit and quickly became the house drink at the Oak Beach Inn. By the mid-1970s, every bar on Long Island was serving up this innocent-looking cocktail. By the 1980s, it was known the world over. Though it looks like the iced tea your mom serves on a summer day, it actually is a combination of five different alcohols with a splash of Coke. Mention Long Island iced tea at a party, and almost everyone has a story to tell. Yeah, I could see how this would be a very dangerous drink for people. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten them at bars, and I'll tell you, it's a drink that I enjoy. Although, again, I think the whiskey uh, might... Might really be the straw yeah, it, that it, it pushes breaks it over the, the uh, unique combination. <laughs> but it's called Texas tea, which of course refers to oil. This is very fitting for Houston, Texas, as is referred to as the oil capital of the world. Although other cities like Tulsa, Oklahoma actually specifically calls itself the oil capital of the world. But Tulsa, Oklahoma is definitely not the oil capital. And I'm of sure the world. there are like places in Saudi Arabia that want to lay some claim to that too. Yeah, I, that's in the uh, Wikipedia page. I think Houston refers to itself or tries to as the energy capital of the world. Ah, see, they're shifting. Good for them. But there's also was a lot of oil there. And I'm sure at one point in time, it was the oil capital of the world. Well, it is. I'll, I'll wait till we get to it to render a verdict on this. Yeah, all the way till the end. Fan mail. So if you have any feedback about the teams we're discussing today or the teams we're discussing next week, send us your message at nfl at joepixpod.com. Due to our uh, single header today, we're just going to be stuffed with mailbag entries, which is great. Uh, since we, we are doing the single header, though, an opportunity for everybody, since we're going to push off the Atlanta Falcons until next week, which we might actually do live, Joe, in Seattle, which would be amazing. I mean, it'll be live for us, not for anyone else. Well, you never know, Joe. We could put a periscope feed. Or oh, something. we could we could take live calls. That'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be great. But this is what I'm saying. Since the Atlanta Falcons were in the Super Bowl, if you watched that Super Bowl and you felt anything related to the Atlanta Falcons, please send in your feedback uh, between before next week, so we can kind of uh, get a catalog of what people thought uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. Sort of add to that episode because you know, right. They're such a prominent team. I would love thoughts from any Falcons fans, but I would also love thoughts from non-Falcons fans of if they think the historic Super Bowl that the Falcons were a part of should make me more likely or less likely to root for them. Yeah. So uh, everybody send in that feedback. Just if you had, if you felt any emotion during the Super Bowl related to the Atlanta Falcons, send that in to us. But now let's focus on the mailbag entries for this week. And our first entry is from Karsten, who I believe is a coworker of yours. Yeah. Yeah, I know Karsten. Karsten says, you should clearly select the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, that episode was a long time ago, Karsten. Although maybe he's uh, going through the backlog right now. I think he's catching up. Or maybe he only listens to the episodes related to uh, Texas teams. So he just was waiting to send his (laughs) feedback for this one. You should clearly select the Dallas Cowboys. I haven't even listened to the episode. Oh, well. Oh, wow. You you (laughs) could have edited that part out, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even listened to the episode, but if you pick the Cowboys, I'll give you my pair of season club tickets to see them play the LA Chargers at the most beautiful football stadium in the world. But only if you pick Dallas. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait. So he's bribing me with tickets to the Cowboys game? I believe he is saying if you go to Arlington, Texas, to watch them play the LA Chargers, which since the LA Chargers are in the AFC, 
and the Cowboys are in the NFC. It's only going to happen once every four years. Or yeah, whatever. it's going to be like once every four years. <laughs> it probably isn't going to be Knicks here anyway. But yes, if you pick Dallas, he's saying he will give you the tickets to see the game. That's a great offer, actually. No, I mean, it is pretty nice. Although, you have to go to Texas. I mean, it'd be much nicer if you you could you gave you tickets to the like Seahawks against the Cowboys, who actually probably will play. Right. All right, Karsten. Can you up it to maybe every year I get a ticket to some game of the Cowboys? So you're going to, but you have to go to Arlington, Texas. Although I guess if they're your team, you're going to want to visit. I'm going to relish that. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, you know, that will, that will certainly uh, be a factor at play, knowing that I have an offer of club level tickets on the table. Definitely. And uh, look at this. Five minutes later, he sent another email. Okay. As he was listening to the episode, clearly. So look at this. <laughs> he sent the email before listening, then listened and corrected me and saying, when I was talking about Tony Romo, uh, bobbling the snap on the extra point. He says it was a field goal attempt, not an extra point. I was there and he's right. I looked it up. Wow. I thought it was a field goal attempt because the score was 21 to 20 and they were kicking it from the two yard line, which would seem to be they would be they just scored a touchdown. They were down by one. They were kicking the extra but point. But they were actually going for the win. But in fact, it was 20. They were down by one. They were kicking a field goal from the win from the two yard line, which, you know, back in those days, it's exactly equivalent to an extra point. And those were hit 99% of the time. And he bobbles a snap. Uh, this is in Seattle. He bobbles a snap. And then, you know, the snap is fine. And then again, it looks like he's going to run in for the touchdown. It gets tackled from behind. The crowd goes wild. Seattle eventually holds that. This is, it's like late in the fourth quarter. So Seattle essentially like runs the ball three times, punts, and then, well, don't quote me on that, Karsten, but Seattle ran the clock out, punted it, and then they had one last Hail Mary attempt with like two seconds left that did uh, went wanting, and the Cowboys lost. So the reality of it was actually more devastating than your description, because in your description, they weren't going for the tie. They were actually going for I mean, the win. It w- the Seattle would have gotten the ball back with some time on the clock, but it was certainly less than two minutes. Well, you know, a history of heartbreak is definitely something that I like. So thank you for the clarification, Karsten. No. And I may take you up on uh, those tickets. I also really enjoyed watching the replay of it again. It's just <laughs> great to watch. It really looks like he's going to run in and then it just gets tackled right. For, I, I really think if he had dove or something, he would have made it in. Which also means that you're getting your heart broken twice. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. He botched the snap. And then you're like, oh, wait, but maybe he's going to run it in. Yeah. No. It's like happens no. in the NBA no. sometimes where Let's like a crushed. bad player shoots a three-pointer and you're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> but then it goes in and you're like, all right, yes. <laughs> and now Superfan Tony. Superfan right. Tony's got a lot to say. Uh, we'll start out with what he said about the Bucks episode. Tony has always been a long critic of the crime section. But uh, I think he has some interesting feedback here. He was upset that I picked out Aqib Tlaib, who hasn't played on the team for four years. And he said, if I'm going to highlight crimes, I should do it to sort of the star players or the players that would actually impact your fandom for the team, which I think Aqib Tlaib, he was drafted by the Bucs. He was a he was player for the Bucs for four years. So I think it talks about the franchise a little bit. But then Tony sent in a bunch of stuff about how Jameis Winston is a bad person which I am not going to read because you've already knocked the Bucks out of contention. There's no reason to... Uh, yeah, we don't want to rub, rub salt in the wound. But when we get to our fan feedback section, I'll talk about this a little bit, but this was a similar criticism to what some Bucks fans had to say. What I would say is that I think that the Aqib Talib stuff is all fair game because 
what this section is really about is about how the franchise deals with problems. Do they look at the social good of their team or are they looking at the bottom line of the player? And I think this was an example of them tolerating a certain amount of bad behavior because Akeem Talib was a productive player on the field. Yeah. So I think, well, well, it doesn't speak to the current players on the team. It does still speak to the current approach of the team. I agree. But I, I think his point is also that there's a bunch of stuff with Jameis Winston and there is, and, but you know, I'll, I'll focus in the future on uh, trying to highlight the the stars of the team and you know who knows maybe we'll start that today with the houston texans he also says about the jets episode he liked the episode even though obviously the jets suck maybe there should be an addendum for how hilarious it is when a team is terrible browns is almost too sad like kicking a puppy but the jets is more like farcical and any pod that talks about the jets without mentioning the butt fumble feels like a real missed opportunity so like a bonus point are they too good or too bad? But then you get like a little bump if you're comically bad. I think he's saying that it is true that everybody sort of enjoys the Jets being bad, whereas I don't think nobody enjoys the Browns being bad. <laughs> right. But I don't think Jets fans enjoy the Jets being bad. Yeah. And about that, <laughs> Tony has uh, one uh, note about the fan. The, there was this um, this famous Jets fan who is sort of their number one fan and their unofficial mascot. Oh, the firefighter guy. Fireman right? Ed. Yeah, he said he sent in a news article that in 2012, Fireman Ed threw in the towel and he said, uh, Fireman Ed, as he came to be known, was a spiritual leader and frequently led the super obnoxious J.E.T.S. Jets, Jets, Jets chant. In 2012, he stopped coming to the games because A, the Jets were so bad and B, other fans would mess with him because they were frustrated and had nothing else to do. This involved throwing beer at him and doing other things. Uh, Basically, Tony's saying... (laughs) If their like biggest fan is giving up on the team, it might yeah. not be the sort of team you want to pick. <laughs> when your super fan is leaving the team, uh, that's really uh, you're in bad shape. And I will say, most of my fan feedback is focused around the Tampa Bay, but I did get one funny response from the Jets fan where they just were grateful that I even pretended to consider them as my 2017 team. <laughs> Small victories. Exactly. Exactly. And Tony's final bit of feedback is about the Washington Football Club. He says, maybe just call them the Washington Potatoes, some of which have red skins. Ha 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 ha. Thanks for that, Tony. Good one, Tony. Yeah. We should just cut that out. That's just... <laughs> or we should just leave it in so Tony has to mire in that. He sent that. Tony, I want you to feel the shame. <laughs> yeah. But Tony also, Tony also sent, he's, uh, he's excited to do a live episode from the NFL draft this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Maybe the cards will, will uh, come up, the, uh, the Bengals. I think that'd be great. Uh, so I have one last email, but it's from myself, and it's unrelated to football. So you go, go in about the, uh, uh, what the Reddit fan said. All right. So back by popular demand, our fan feedback. Unfortunately, Dan, we are, um, I think, as likely to pick up fans of the tampa bay buccaneers as i am to become a fan of the tampa bay buccaneers oh no they read a little bit of feedback which you know i wanted to bring this up dan because it really um you know your your honor was impugned here because they really focused on our lack of research uh so they said there was zero preparation put into this oh this is um, apollo 42 it says lol who the fuck brings up tampa bay as a destination to visit and the only two things they bring up are a theme park and a bridge that's what TripAdvisor says. <laughs> what is he recommending? He says, what about Ybor City? Cigars. 
Tarpon Springs. Those are all upcoming I can get locations. cigars anywhere. I can get cigars here. Yabar City and Tarpon Springs, little known fact, are also upcoming, are upcoming locations in the new Star Wars movie. <sighs> he says, as far as troubling players go, you bring up a dude that hasn't been on the team in five years? You count that as a negative? And then lastly, Dan, and I did want your comment on this because I think you should have an opinion on it. No mention of the Deshaun Jackson signing. Again with the Aqib Talib. You know what? We've already, Tony already sent me that. I understand. But to the point we said before, it's part of the franchise and they drafted him. You know, if this is just somebody they had sort of like picked up or whatever, it's one thing. They drafted him. They're, you know, they dealt with him for four years as he was sort of like an up and coming star. But yes. I'm sorry I did not uh, say all the horrible things about uh, Jameis Winston, which there are many. Well, Dan, Dan, now you're alienating our potential Tampa Bay fans even more. Okay. Well, okay. Deshaun Jackson, though, that's great. Deshaun Jackson, very exciting player. I'm sad. The uh, Washington Football Club had an amazing wide receiver core last year, and we've lost two very, very important components of it, and that makes me very sad. And Deshaun Jackson, though, I think Deshaun Jackson was the most expendable of them. You know, one thing I'll say is that you and I are nothing if not scientific in our approach, Dan. Absolutely. And so one thing that we have done, it sort of developed naturally, but I like it, is that, you know, we use the same metrics every time for each team, which then we bring our own subjectivity to it. But we say, you know, you want to know about the city? We're going to use TripAdvisor. I'm sure there's a lot of great places that a Tampa Bay local could tell us about, but but we're trying to find one approach to fit every city that we're going to take. And so I, I think your research is impeccable, Dan. Whatever and that guy said is stupid, though. When you visit a place, you're not going to some like random little bubkiss thing. You're going to, I mean, I don't know even know what he's suggesting. A cigar shop, though, you're f- certainly not going to fucking Tampa Bay and then going to get a cigar somewhere. Well, you can get cigars anywhere. That's, that's absurd. That's stupid. All right. We're done with that guy. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening, though. Yeah, thanks for listening. We really hope Whatever you continue to is. listen. No, really. Thanks for the feedback. It's it's always helpful. Hold on. The negativity is flowing in this next email from me. All right. Dear guys, I've recently spent all week listening to S-Town and the Missing Richard Simmons podcast, and both of them sucked. Why does every podcast <laughs> try to be serial? Just be a stupid podcast. Signed, Dan. Wow. Thanks, Dan. Because what the fuck? Both of those podcasts, it's like the S-Town one. But all of these podcasts have a problem where they set up a false bill of goods. They, they like tease you. The first episodes are great. It's produced so well. You're captivated. You're on the end of the seat. And then it fucking goes nowhere. Or it goes somewhere completely different than what they advertised. Right. It would be like if we did this whole podcast and then I didn't pick a team at the end. Or if you like picked, you're like, you know what? I'm going to become an NBA fan. <laughs> right, I'm going right, to. Right. Right. That's exactly what it would be like. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I'm upset. I'm, these podcasts are all trying too hard. And I, I'm sick of it. And the reason Serial was so great is Serial wasn't trying too hard. Serial didn't know it was going to be Serial. Serial right. was just a fun experiment, and it became Serial. All these people, I mean, I'm annoyed at S-Town in particular because Ira Glass said, oh, re- editing this in the studio it has the same vibe as editing Serial. No, it is not the same. This is Serial was uh, interesting. You could talk about it with your friends. Everybody was debating. Everybody had different theories. There's nothing to discuss about S-Town. You know, what do you want me to tell you? And the missing Richard Simmons ones is just by the end of it, you feel like a creep. Leave Richard Simmons alone. Yeah, I felt really dirty listening to that one after a while. Yeah. And it started out so interesting. 
anyways. Well, I didn't listen. I haven't listened to S Town yet, but I will say, um, you know, like reading the reviews of it, where they say he starts out at a murder mystery and then ends up as like a rumination on family. I'm like, no, I'm out. I'm yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not signing up for a rumination on anything. The reason um, I'm putting my critique here as opposed to in Twitter was just so I don't get anybody responding to me and be like, oh, you don't get it or whatever. No, I listened to the whole thing. What the, what, what the podcast advertising may or may not be interesting and moving or whatever, but it's not, that's not what they were advertising it as. And it, it like, I think there are better I listen to one hour episodes of This American Life, which take me on emotional roller coasters, you know, 20, 25 minute story. I don't want to listen to five hours of this like inane crap. And and frankly, that's the people with Southern accents. It's just it gets annoying over time. <laughs> I'm sure our, our Houston Texan listeners are going <laughs> to love that. Um, look, I think we can promise this podcast started as one fan. He's been abandoned by his team looking for a new team to root for. And it's not going to end on a rumination of the nature of fandom. Yeah. It's going to end with me picking an NFL team. In an awesome Sweet 16 bracket elimination. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Our ending is going to be the best thing that we've done. Definitely. And I'll tell you, I've been, uh, Megan is really excited about Joe Picks a Sandwich. Really excited. <laughs> Joe, Joe Picks a Sandwich is podcasting wildfire. Yeah. People are ready. People are ready so, for it. Could be the next serial, Joe. <laughs> okay, we, we, we've wasted all this. This was supposed to be fast. We're supposed to just put on our hard hats, no, bang out this episode. No. This is ridiculous. The number of Texan fans that are still along for this ride is, has to number in the dozens. Ugh. And the real problem with this is when you post them on Reddit, it is like half of the listens are for are from our like hardcore fans, and the other half are for people that are just you're advertising to on the Houston Texans Reddit forum. So they have no, they don't care about any of this other stuff. Well, we should tell that you should just tell them to like fast forward. I actually think that I'm posting it on the fan pages. Cause I think that's how people might, m- might initially find this. I do think some people are sticking around, but I do think that actually this, the design of this show is that your least favorite episode will probably be the episode about the team that you root for yeah. one, because inherently we're not looking at like the details of the team more inherently any hardcore fan is going to know more and know more in depth about their team than what we're going to talk about because we're talking about the long-term franchise and secondly i'm going to say bad shit even the teams that have moved forward have things that i don't like about them so you so people get defensive so this this podcast really if you're coming to this as a texan fan and listening to this as your first episode please listen but then go listen to another team to see if you like this podcast all right. Well, okay. Here we go. We're going. We're going. Number one. Don't win a team that is too good or too bad. Mm-hmm. Now the Houston Texans, much like the team we covered earlier, the Denver Broncos, they have a lot of similarities. Number one, their Super Bowl odds are very close. Denver Broncos were eighteen to one. The Houston Texans are twenty to one, and they are both very importantly in this Tony Romo lottery. The Houston Texans last year had just atrocious quarterback play. We'll get into that a little later. And still, they made the playoffs. Even won a playoff game, though they were playing against a team that uh, had just their franchise quarterback, who actually is good, just got hurt. But nonetheless, I mean, this is a team that has a very good defense. And if they add Tony Romo, it's it's almost a carbon copy of the Denver Broncos situation, where you're taking a team with a very good defense. And if you add a great quarterback, all of a sudden they can become legitimate Super Bowl contenders just sort of overnight. And I certainly would have hoped that 
the Romo situation would have been sorted out by the time we did the Houston episode, but it just happened that Texans came up earlier than we thought. So go figure. Yeah, but I think it's uh, it gives you a chance to fairly evaluate them sort of against the Broncos because there's the whole Tony Romo speak stakes at this point is just essentially between the Texans and the Broncos. It's going to it's it's either the Cowboys are going to eat the contract, which just seems insane, or the Texans or the Broncos are going to be Tony Romo is going to be on their team. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine how Romo stays with the Cowboys, especially because, you know, if, if there's any any bit of sophomore slump for Dak, if he has a few bad games, then suddenly you have a whole nother problem. It says you can't hands. pay him $15 million. I think they, they Dallas really wants to trade him, and the other teams just know they just have to sit around because nobody is going to trade for Tony Romo. They're just going to wait for him to be released and then uh, get him as a free agent. Anyways, whatever. Tony Romo might be part of the team. <laughs> Actually, the Houston Texans, are, some would say, are the favorite, but I think it's definitely Texans, Broncos. So they might get Romo. That would be exciting. How many Super Bowls have the Texans won or have Houston teams won? None. They have been around for 15 seasons as the Texans. They've won zero before that. I'm not going to get in too much about the Oilers history because they are still a uh, franchise that exists and we haven't done them yet. But when they were in Houston, they still didn't win any Super Bowls there. So they were 0 for 31 there. Um, and then we'll play top third, middle third, bottom third. So win percentage over the past 10 years. I mean, my recollection is that Houston's been pretty bad, uh, but they've also been in a pretty weak division. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'll say bottom third. Playoff wins. Bottom third. Made the playoffs. I know they made it last year, but with a bad record. But... The Colts have been better for a long time, so I don't think they were winning the division. I'll say bottom third. Yeah. Well, Joe, no wonder all these people <laughs> they're turned off. You're wrong on all three. Zero well, out of three. I don't do research. That's not the point. Okay, go ahead. Well, you, you, they were in the playoffs this year. They won a playoff game this year. Jesus. Well, I know, but it's 10 years. I don't know. So they are not only middle third in all three, but they are essentially right in the middle for all of them. Win percentage, 51.2%. 17th playoff wins three which ties them for 15th with a couple other teams and made the playoffs four which is joins that group of many other team we've covered who are uh right in the middle there so there you go the texans are better than i thought they were but they have some knocks against them they've uh never made it to they're the only team in the nfl that's never made it to a conference championship game though they but they're newer they're, so they're very new yeah um, they've made the playoffs the last two seasons. Basically, they have a very good defense. They've never really had an elite team. They've had, you know, they've always had Matt Schaub as a quarterback in their earlier run. And in the last three seasons, they've just really never had a quarterback. So that's sort of their big knock is they've never had great, good enough quarterback play to really be an elite team. And And no matter what happens with the Texans, they're going to have a new starting quarterback next year. Yeah, so Brock Osweiler... Their quarterback last year. I was going to save this for later, but we'll just bring it up now. They signed him at the beginning of last year to a four-year, seventy-two million dollar contract, Ugh. thirty-seven million of which was guaranteed. Not he great. was the quarterback of the future. He was dreadful. In the offseason, they traded him to the Cleveland Browns for a fourth-round pick. But in order to sweeten the deal, they also gave Cleveland a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick. So I love they, that because that's that's essentially a baseball trade. 
Exactly. You're basically trading for cash. They basically trade this horrible contract and a second round pick. So Cleveland is just eating this horrible contract. In in exchange, they're getting a sixth round pick and they're upgrading. uh, Well, I think I think they just get a compulsory pick. Whatever. I don't need to get into details. But Cleveland's getting a second round pick and a sixth round pick, and they just have to eat this contract. I don't even know if they're planning to play him or just cut him. But I guess for Cleveland, it really doesn't matter that much. They're going to be terrible anyway. As is apparent, I, I don't do a ton of research <laughs> around this stuff, but this does seem like a new type of trade for the NFL, and it's exciting to me because I, I feel like it's something that happens commonly in other sports, and I think it's something that um, adds another wrinkle to the trade dynamic in the NFL. Yeah, good, good for Houston. Look at that. Houston and Cleveland, these yeah, two uh, cutting-edge teams. Both teams we're, we've analyzed or are in the process of analyzing. I think that Houston is actually kind of the perfect team is news to me. I would not have thought this before. It's kind of the perfect, not too good, not too bad team because they are right in the middle. They're clearly not too good. They're clearly not too bad, but they're also on an upswing. They have a good young defense and will have a better quarterback next year than they did this year Definitely. when they made the playoffs. They're either going to so, sign Romo or they're going to draft a quarterback and they're not going to do worse than they did last year. I don't want to go overboard, but I'm just, if I'm being totally honest about a ranking that i didn't expect i'm gonna say they're like a nine out of ten here wow the highest thus far you're putting I, them above the broncos and above the eagles so we're both eight well out of i 10. think the broncos are a little bit too good because the broncos i mean they just won a super bowl a few years ago where the fact like i like the fact that houston's never, if, if houston won a super bowl or even they went to the afc championship game yeah, next year, that would be, be the a first big time. deal yeah all right wow there you go the texans are new leader in the clubhouse not too good, not too bad. Now, number two, what do you think about the division? So we've not covered this division before. It is the AFC South. It has the Texans, the Colts, the Jags, and the Titans. This division was created out of thin air in 2002 when the Texans joined the NFL. It has, you know, it's also sort of a weird division. It's got the AFC South, but it's got the uh, Indianapolis Colts. It's got the Jaguars, which are both really far away from uh, mm-hmm. Houston. So, and you know, Indianapolis is not in the South and Jacksonville is like very close to the East coast, if not on the East coast. So it, it's a bit of a, a amalgamation division that doesn't have a bunch of established rivalries because it's was, you know, these teams haven't been rivals for a long time and it's sort of a bizarre division. Yeah. It does feel like a little bit of like a Frankenstein division of just like, okay, well, these are teams that don't neatly fit into any of the other categories. So we'll put them all here. Yeah. And they've underperformed compared to all other divisions in terms of Super Bowls appearances and AFC championship appearances in since 2002, they've won one Super Bowl, the Colts 2006. They've appeared in two Super Bowls, the Colts in 2006 and 2009. And they've appeared in the AFC championship five times. Four of those were the Colts, and one of those was the Titans all the way back in 2002. So they um, really underperform as compared to other divisions. If you take away the Colts and their dominant run when they had Peyton Manning, I mean, this division is just awful. Uh, In the past five years, the Texans have won the division three times. The Colts have won twice. When you, if you look back before that, if you look at it since 2002, the Colts won nine times. The Texans won four times, the Titans won twice, and the Jags have not won the division since it became the AFC South. So it's not entirely a balanced division 
Although next year, it's probably more balanced than it, it has been in a while because I think the Colts and Texans and maybe the Titans have a mm-hmm. legitimate chance. Right. And maybe the Jags, too. I don't even know if they're on an upswing. But the Titans certainly are, and the Colts are decent. And we just yeah, the Colts are they're, they're always competitive, even though they were awful yeah. last year. So, so is um, are the Colts the Texans' biggest rival because they they're both the arguably the two best teams in the division, or is it the Titans because of the Oilers' history, or is it Jacksonville because at least I guess geographically Tennessee is closer too. So, I mean, yeah, what are the I've, rivalries in this division, or are there not really any? I think I would say the Texans and the Colts are probably the biggest rivals just because they've been the most competitive with the, with each other in recent history. But it's, right. I mean, I think those games are pretty, pretty interesting games, but it's, this is just a division that, you know, people are not, if, if people I think could contract any division from the NFL right now, every single person would pick this division. Yeah, no, I, it is my least favorite division hearing about it. And I think the lack of history certainly hurts it, but I think actually more than the history, it's the geographic cohesiveness that without that, just, just that you know, lacking that is really, really hard because there aren't natural rivalries. There aren't teams that like should hate each other based on where they are. So, um, you know, this is unfortunate to take away the points that I just feel like I just granted based on the, uh, on the strength of the team. But I mean, I, I think I'm going to give this a, one and a half out of ten. Ouch. Yeah. I know. It's poor. Texans were riding high off to a great start. <laughs> I know. Come I feel bad about that. Right back down to earth. But look, it's a fair. It's you know, the division's part of uh part of what you care about in a team. I think this will be the 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 lowest scoring division going through this whole process. We'll see. Three. Does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So the head Gary coach Kubiak? No. No, no. Bill O'Brien. Okay. He's been there for three seasons. It's our first top 10 coach, according to Roto World. They have number seven. They say, Bill O'Brien turned the lemons of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, and Brock Osweiler into three consecutive nine and seven seasons, the most recent of which ended with a wild card win over the Raiders. Yeah, but it's a little... The Raiders would have crushed them had they had a real quarterback. The Texans' 2016 was even more impressive in the context of J.J. Watt's absence, a team without an actual quarterback and was missing its spiritual quarterback and still managed to make the playoffs and have the league's best defense. Yeah, although we'll get into that later, but I think calling it the league's best defense is a little, uh, it's a little bit cherry-picking some statistics. Uh, anyways, a cerebral, no-nonsense coach. Bill O'Brien is good, basically. <laughs> now, when I thought of Bill O'Brien, so that's what Roto World, they have a number seven, so that's pretty good. But when I think about Bill O'Brien, all I think about is like poor clock management and just sort of dubious in-game decisions. So I started researching that and found no shortage of information about that. And there was one particular thing that I want to highlight because I think it's great. Talking about his like poor clock management and understanding of in-game decision making. It's a 2015 playoff game against the Chiefs. It's a playoff game. So this is, you know... This is bigly, as our president would say. <laughs> the Chiefs are up 13-0, to zero, and the, uh, the Texans have just punted them the ball, so the Chiefs have it. 141 to go in the first half. They've got the ball on their own 10-yard line. You're Bill O'Brien. You're sitting on the sidelines. You've got all three timeouts. So first down, the Chiefs run the ball. They gain five yards. So 141, clock is ticking. They have now second and five. 
uh, on their their own 15 yard line, what do you do? You call, call a timeout. timeout immediately. Let it go. You immediately call a timeout. Okay. Good. You're, you're one for one with Bill O'Brien. You call the timeout. He calls a timeout. Second down. The Chiefs run. They run for 23 yards. They now have first and 10 on their own 38. Uh-oh. Clock is running. Tick, 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 tick. What do you do? I think you call another timeout. Okay. Bill O'Brien calls another timeout. You're an idiot, Joe. <laughs> you, so this is, maybe this is the type of coach you want. No, you don't call a timeout here. You're Why just, don't you call a timeout? You're helping them. They're driving down the field. The clock is their enemy now. If they've got first and goal at their own 38, now you want the you want them to have clock pressure. You know, you, there's nothing that would make you happier than the clock ticking down to one minute or something. Well, wait, do you have the lead or, 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 or do they have the lead? They have the lead. Anyways, the point is, you're just trying to get out of the field now. When they have the ball with one minute left on the 38-yard line, you're just trying to get out of that half unscathed. Okay, anyways, whatever. It gets even worse. First and 10 at the 38-yard line. They run a six-yard catch play, a six-yard pass out of bounds. So it's second and four. They now run three yards inbounds. It's third and one right near midfield. Bill O'Brien calls timeout again. Okay, maybe this is defensible. It's third down. If you stop them, yeah, you're gonna you, you got to preserve back. the clock. Yeah, they stop them. They stop them. They stuff them. The run, perfect. But guess what? He's out of timeouts. He used them oh, yeah. all. That's clock ticks. The uh, Chiefs punt the ball. They get the ball on their own nine yard line. And what do they do? They just kneel the ball and go to halftime. Well, what's so, the point of all that if you're going to kneel the ball? Of course, that's the point. It's, it's, it just makes no sense. Like, if, if you're going to call timeouts, literally the best case scenario happened, and he gets it, and he just kneels. What is he hoping for? A punt return for a touch? I mean, so many more bad things can happen to you. And if nothing else, you're giving them all this time. You're calling the timeout. They're driving. You're helping them. Well, you know, the first, the, okay, the first timeout makes a lot of sense to me. The first timeout absolutely is the correct move. The second timeout, I still think it makes sense in the sense of like you have confidence in your defense and you feel like you have to score. Okay, so it's a little bit of an aggressive move. Well, coming from like the Charger fan perspective, I've seen us lose way more games by not being aggressive than we've lost by being too aggressive. Uh, so, so it's kind of an aggressive move that shows a lot of faith in your defense. And guess what? It worked like you forced them into a punt situation. But if you're going to go through all that bullshit, you at least should throw a Hail Mary. Well, the problem is, and this is why you're wrong here, is that when they have the ball in the 38 yard line, even if they get stuffed. So you have two timeouts left. Imagine they just imagine they just kneel three times. They're going to be punting from their 30 yard line. You're going to be getting the ball inside your own 20 yard line with no timeouts and a minute left. And your quarterback is fucking Brian Hoyer, who is terrible. Like, this is not a in an advantageous situation. The second they when they're when they're pinned inside their own 20, the timeout makes sense. The second they do that 23-yard run, you are just the clock is now your friend. You want that clock to tick. You want them to, to have to worry about it. And look, the Chiefs don't have a high-powered offense. The clock is their enemy. They're just dinking it down the field. Anyways. This you maybe you're on the Bill O'Brien fan club, but uh, this yeah, this I article I was reading about Bill O'Brien's clock management. I like it. He had like 20 other different examples. I just picked this one because it's so comically egregious. And then 
getting the ball back and then kneeling and running into the halftime is just the well, capper that's on it. Yeah. Uh, because it's just the, the timeouts make no sense. He had no plan. It, you know, you'll never see somebody like Bill Belichick do that. You know, he's a, a master of using timeouts. And there are a lot of other coaches who are just smart about how they manage the clock, manage in-game situations. I actually feel a lot of sympathy for these head coaches because they're doing a thousand things at once and yet they're forced to make these decisions in like a span of five seconds. It like if I were a head coach, I would want someone who that was their only job was to tell me when to challenge and when not to challenge. Yeah. Then hire um, one. You're the goddamn head coach. I like the fact that this coach has pulled out nine and seven seasons. Yeah, he's a good really... meat and potatoes guy though. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to knock the in-game stuff too much. He clearly is good at, uh, yeah, um, no, I, I think that that coaching actually... up his defense. And I think that there's a question about head coaches that are very, very successful with really good players where when you can actually be mediocre and moderately successful, I mean, on like the winning half of a 16 game season um, and making the playoffs and, and, you know, even winning playoff games with a, a pretty bad offense or a pretty bad quarterback, at least that does require some coaching acumen. So um, I don't want to go crazy with this guy, but let's just say seven and a half out of 10. That's the highest thus far, but, I but think that's it's, okay. Yeah, Roto World, Roto World has him as the highest thus far. And frankly, your examples of the most most egregious clock management, I think you could find that with ninety five percent of the head coaches in the league. Oh, not something that not the timeout once they've got first and ten at the thirty eight. It's just dreadful. It's dreadful. Know, I like it. No, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. I know you did it. Okay, number four. <laughs> we don't even need to do a doubleheader today. It's going to be a doubleheader episode. <laughs> Uh, do the players get in trouble with the law okay past five years mod- bottom third middle third top third i have zero concept of this so i'm gonna say middle third okay joe you are dead wrong again and you know what we're gonna start getting some time back right now because the houston texans are number one in the least number of incidents in Good the past five them. years tarred with tied them. with your san diego chargers and if you look over in the history of the crime blotter, they have the least number of incidents of any team. And it's like Has Big Keith Lieb ever played for Houston? No, he has not. Has he ever visited Houston? Uh, maybe. Has he ever I, brought a gun to well, a Well, wait, when he Houston? shot himself, I, it was somewhere in Texas, <laughs> but I don't think it was oh, Houston. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they are a clean team. I look back in the past five years. The one incident, so one incident was like marijuana possession, which is like, who cares? And the other incident it was sort of bad, but it was a player who's not a star player. And it was like five years ago. So basically, you're looking at a team that has not run afoul of the law at all for anybody in years. Wow. Great. And then over Great. the history, they're the, the best. Better than the Chargers, who you gave a 10 out of 10 in this category. Well, I can't give 11 out of 10. Okay. Well, I mean, if there are no examples of like terrible misconduct and they're. I looked at the owner. I mean, maybe the somebody did something in the past, but I, I didn't find much. Wow. Like not even like traffic. All right. Well, this is great. This is great. Um, no, look, it's got to be a 10 out of 10. That's fantastic. That's Bang. good to hear. So we're yeah. getting time back. And hey, the Texans are their reputation, their franchise is uh, getting their well-earned points for their uh, n- not running in with the law for their so good far. Behavior. I feel like Houston is really um, they're like the anti-Buccaneers in that like the Buccaneers where everything was like I'll give them a six, I'll give them a six. Like Houston's like feast or famine. They're getting like a one or a ten in every category. Number five, 
Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Is Rob going to? So what you want right here is Rob to to hate the Texans. How could you hate the Texans though? Come Rob, on. Rob hates the Texans. What? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. So they are his 26th. Oh my god. Team on his ranking. Of How do you teams. hate the Texans? 26. Well, what is it I, possibly going to say? I, when I read you his logic, you're going to be like, oh man, Rob really is a dick. He says, I shouldn't dislike the Texans as much as I do. The Oilers left them, but instead, I like the Titans, and I'm really annoyed by the existence of the Texans. I guess if Houston was good enough to have a team, why didn't they keep them? <laughs> and this is, this, is, this is where things get really, really stretched. And why can't Seattle get that treatment from the NBA for the Sonics? Okay. I mean, first of all, it makes a good point about what this that's inane. That makes no sense. I normally don't reply to Rob when he send, sends me his thoughts because I, I feel like I want to just express them on the podcast and do it that way. But I had to push back on how is he making a connection between two different sports leagues? Like there's literally nothing that Houston could have done to help the Seattle Sonic State. I mean, it is the most absurd argument I've ever heard. But that's good. That's good for the Texans. Boy, the Texans are lighting this up. You love the Texas teams, Joe. I'm already, I'm, a, I'm already pre-assuming you're giving a good score here. Rob, yeah. Well, Rob hates the Texans. And furthermore, he hates them for a terrible reason, which makes me like them even more. I'm going to say 8 out of 10. All right. Only second to the Cowboys. So Rob also really, he hates the Texas teams. He hates Texas teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Number six. Rob's a coastal elitist. That's why. <laughs> well, it, I think it's near the coast of something. I think Houston's near the the Gulf Coast, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, Rob. Is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? Okay, got some some interesting stuff on Houston. First of all, it's the number four largest city in the in the United States by population, by far over the number five city. Big gap. Uh, it, it, but in 1900, it was only the 85th biggest city, thanks to www.biggestuscities for this great information. Uh, so it it has basically has become in the oil boom of the 1900s. Lots of people came rushing to Houston as it became the energy capital of the world, and uh, now it is you know fourth biggest in the United States. Very big city, yada yada yada. It's got a nice. I mean, it's just a huge city. Over 2 million people. So you know it's got a nice zoo. You know it's got a nice museum of fine arts. Great botanical gardens, obviously. (laughs) Well, they had a butterfly garden that really looked fabulous. But I've got two things I wanted to highlight that were both in the TripAdvisor top 10, both of which I think are unique. One is uh, just a great place to go that I would love to visit personally, the Houston Space Center. You know, quote, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, that's right. The space thing. Absolutely. I read the TripAdvisor reviews and people said the only knocks on where people said it was like too kid friendly, like it was sort of you would go there and you your kids just get really excited about space and science and stuff. Yeah, and but I have like, so many kids. Dan. I know. It's perfect. I think your kids would love it. And it's like gets them excited. And they said, oh, if you're an adult, I would love going that you get to walk through the like command center where they were doing the Apollo missions. I mean, this shows you honestly my like lack of knowledge about the middle of our country. I forgot about the space thing completely. Well, there's also Kennedy Space Center in Florida. I don't know. Maybe if that's near one of the Florida teams, we'll have to get to that. Well, our, our Tampa Bay uh, 
X fans didn't mention anything about space. So yeah, that's on, that's on them. Well, if it would definitely be on the uh, east coast of Florida. So when they launch the rockets, it wouldn't blow up over uh, people like uh, Tampa's on the west side. Anyways, second place. So Houston Space are already top 10 place on TripAdvisor. Great. You Ooh, know, just yeah. place American history was there. American icon. Second place. This was such a unique place and it was also in the TripAdvisor top 10. I had to highlight it. The National Museum of Funeral History. <laughs> I've taken a sample uh, blurb from one of the TripAdvisor reviews of this just to get a feel. Super highly rated. I visited the National Museum of Funeral History with a group of senior citizens in March of 2017. Oh, why would you go there with old people? That's like no. rubbing it in. No, they want to go there. <laughs> no, you're just you're just showing them their, their bleak future in no, like two years. No, they want to go. They said, it was a day trip, lots to see, planned at least two hours. The museum houses antique funeral hearses, buses, sleighs, and written information on the exhibits. My favorite area was the information and equipment used for embalming. The video presentation on embalming is a must-see. I plan to go again. I recommend those interested in the history of funerals go to this museum. Go again, Joe, to watch the embalming video. Going to a funeral museum with a middle-aged person is like a nice sightseeing trip going with an old person is like window shopping that's terrible um Joe, but it's all it, it does, look, but buddy. it does sound like a very interesting museum yeah it's top 10 and i don't even know what embalming is but it, this video was so exciting this person needs to see it twice i'm sure it's going to be very interesting yeah they could probably find it on youtube yeah i'm in on houston i would much rather go to houston than dallas Wow, you rated Dallas pretty damn highly. Oh, no, no, you rated Dallas very low on this one. No, I said it was my fourth favorite city in Texas. And I actually would have my own like preconceived notions. Once again, we're being a little bit surprised by Houston. Uh, Probably would have been like, well, Houston, like, yeah, it's big, but like kind of like urban sprawl, kind of like maybe a little bit techie, but like. Wow, I'm sure it is that. But the space thing would be so much fun. And my kids would be so into that. Your kids would love it. I'm going to rate them higher than I think I thought I was going to. Let's say 7 out of 10. All right. 7 out of 10. So tied with Los Angeles and Denver. And I would definitely check out that funeral museum. Oh, you've got to, Joe. It's a must-see. It's a must-see. That one, though, I don't know how kid-friendly it would be. Although maybe they could take notes, you know, for... <laughs> yeah, I could let them know what I want. Okay, so Houston is doing really, really well. But this number 7 might stall their momentum a little bit. Does the team have player players you could put on your fantasy roster? It's really hard for a, a team with a strong defense. Yeah. So, th- first of all, their defense, we'll get into uh, it a little bit in the um, uh, how uh, does this team play, but their defense, not even that good in fantasy, only 12th best. It really, you know, obviously J.J. Watt yeah, got Yeah, no, hurt. I had them this past year. It was disappointing, yeah. The Houston defense is what I would call a bust. People were high on the Houston defense, no, they they weren't scoring well. I mean, they were droppable. They had terrible games. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was a bust. He was sort of a high round pick that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins so talented, so amazing. You watch him play. He's just unbelievable. But he had no, nobody to throw him the ball. He had, uh, I was sort of looking at the, um, the list of players and he was down in the 30s or something. Uh, 78 catches, 950 yards. You know, not bad, but four touchdowns. Not bad, but not great and you could see deandre hopkins was owned by like 90 95 percent of teams and then the receivers around him were owned by like 
40 or 50 percent that's yeah because it was like he he just had a big name and people are like i can't drop deandre hopkins but he his performance was not very good and then lamar miller was playable at running back i do wonder how much the entire team becomes more valuable if they're able to sign a quarterback like romo oh i think it's just shoots up himself has never been a super strong fantasy quarterback like he's always been someone who you get in like a mid to later round or maybe you have him as like a a second quarterback with someone else who's like you know younger and more up and coming but but how much does that help the wide receivers on the team or the tight end or even the running back to have Romo on the team I mean DeAndre Hopkins had the a set of terrible quarterbacks throwing to him and still put up yeah Yeah. 950 yards and four touchdowns so if you put Romo back there DeAndre Hopkins shoots up and I hear what you're saying about the fantasy value of the defense but I was really convinced by you in earlier episodes that the idea of owning the defense for the team you root for is actually really fun because you're not rooting for a single player. You're actually just rooting for the team. And I do think that with J.J. Watt back full time, maybe with a better offense that can uh, control the ball more, that defense will become a better fantasy defense in the future. I think last year was um, was a bad year for yeah. the defense. I, I think Clowney and J.J. Watt haven't really... I, I think the number of games they played together where they're both at full strength might be <laughs> zero right. and it right. might be, it's certainly less right. than 10. So if, if both of them, I mean, the problem is JJ Watt's having all these surgeries over and over again. So JJ Watt may never right. you be say like, JJ oh, if, Watt again. If, if everyone's healthy, but if that hasn't been able to happen before, that may not no. happen again. I mean, Clowney was such a beast though last year, like in that game against the Patriots, he was just demolishing people over. It was, it was a, a force. It was As incredible. we talk about this, category it makes me think that this may be why i don't have as much knowledge of the texans as i do of other teams because invariably as a former charger fan my knowledge of other teams were either because they were directly in our division so i cared about them or because i owned players on their fantasy which i mean it's highly plausible that you can have a successful fantasy year or like me several unsuccessful fantasy years and never own a texan player yeah I think they had uh, what's his name that um, that running back guy who was selling shares of himself, a- Arian Foster. He was, but that was that was a while ago. Yeah, no, this is going to be a rough category for them. I feel like I like the idea of some wide receiver, tight end, running back uh, potential if Tony Romo's there. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a bump, but maybe it's like a two and a half out of ten. That seemed too harsh. That's probably too harsh, but I would give him a little That's more than that. Good. All right. That's it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna oversell, but I think, you know, if they get a anybody a quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins is good. But there is that bust value, and I think it can't be discounted that a player who sort of has big expectations and then doesn't live up to and, them, that's a big negative in fantasy. And as you said yourself, DeAndre Hopkins is a big name. So it's so you're not finding some undervalued prospect. Okay, number eight. Is the owner a monster? Their owner is Bob McNair. He's a self-made billionaire in the energy markets. No surprise. Net worth 3.3 bill. He is a devoted Christian, but yet also somehow received the Anti-Defamation League's Torch of Liberty Award. Ooh, okay. Which was established to recognize individuals and corporations who have exhibited humanitarian concerns and whose everyday actions exemplify the principles on which the Anti-Defamation League was founded. Uh, he's a board of trustees on Rice University, Baylor College of Medicine, the Houston Grand Opera, the Houston Museum of Fine Arts, 
and the Center for the American Idea. Whatever the hell that is. Sounds conservative. (laughs) He's a massive, massive Republican donor. The Wikipedia said page said he was the largest donor to Mitch McConnell over the last 15 years. Huge Trump supporter, of course. And the stadium they are in, Energy Stadium, formerly Reliant Stadium, was uh, made with 16 or 61 percent public funding, which is slightly above the NFL average of 56 percent. Houston did host this year's Super Bowl, this tragic Super Bowl. So he's got that. I think it hosted another one earlier. It's sort of Houston's in the rotation for hosting Super Bowls due to its very nice weather. Um, One thing about him and specific to you is Bob McNair got in trouble with San Diego in particular when a couple years ago they were talking about uh, he was he was on this committee that was trying to help San Diego like figure out its thing and keep the team. And Bob McNair in an interview said in San Diego, they've been trying for about 15 years. They've had all kinds of political problems there. At one time, half the council went to jail or something. It's been pretty bad. It's hard to negotiate when you've got to go to the jail to negotiate. <laughs> so they haven't accomplished That's anything. Bullshit. Now, the people, the good people on the San Diego City Council noted that there was a, a point where some of the San Diego Council, they didn't go to jail, but they got in legal trouble, legal problems, and many of them resigned. But that was in like 2003. The San Diego count city council and mayor was uh, had been pretty upstanding in the previous 10 years to when Bob McNair made the statement. And after he made the statement, San Diego, the city council said, we're not dealing with you, NFL. We are offended by this. So you could say that Bob, Bob McNair had played a big part in the Chargers leaving San Diego or a small part, maybe. Maybe big part is overstating. I wouldn't say big part. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think these Spanos played a big part, but I would say he, he definitely made a, he played a small part. He also does kind of look like a movie villain. Like if you <laughs> saw him in a movie, you'd be like, oh shit, that guy's bad. Well, I think if you see him in real life, you'd think that. <laughs> and when you say that he made his money in energy, I imagine we're talking about oil, not like wind power. I don't think it was oil in particular. I think it was some other type of energy. But I, the money eventually came where the company he, he uh, founded, he sold to Enron. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So... But but hey, he's selling high. You know, Enron was a really big company when he sold it before their whole scandal happened. So this guy seems like he holds some maybe particularly monstrous political views and is probably not a great guy. And I really don't want to encourage anyone who uh, played any role in the Chargers leaving San Diego, albeit a small one. Uh, though, you know, the ADL thing, you know, it must have done something right at some point. Yeah, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah, that really got me off to a good start. I thought I was going to like him at first. Uh, no, yeah. look, let's. This guy sounds like a monster. Kind of looks like a Bush League Jerry Jones. You're going to give him a four out of ten. Okay, I was worried you were going to go lower. Than no, that, but I, this... I could have made it worse, but there's nothing that's like. No. Look, you can be. I mean, you gave Jimmy Haslam, who's like <laughs> under indictment for scamming thousands of truckers, a three. So <laughs> yeah. So for his yeah, decent. I'm just saying if you went lower than that, I would have some issues. I I, I think he's a, he's just sort of a yeah, I mean, old look, philanthropist, good guy, and and also like I don't want to knock him too much for his political views because like look, you're a Texas oil billionaire, you'd have to be energy billionaire, falling pretty far from the tree to be like a liberal Democrat. Okay, I think I think he might. I think five might have been a better score. I think he's like the median. NFL owner. Well, when well when we do Dan picks an NFL team, you can give him a five. 
<laughs> I'm giving him a four. Oh, look, that's a, I agreed to it. Unfortunately, our stupid podcast, <laughs> this is we, what we follow the rules. Look, he helped the char- the Chargers leave San Diego. How can I, how can I give him a middle of the road score for that? It's got to be below. But really, what is an NFL owner, Joe? Let's ruminate on the idea of owner. Can you even own a team? I, I don't know. But while we think about that, number nine, rate the uniform in the logo. Uh, they're called the Texans. When they created, started as a team in 2002, they were picking between five names. No. The Apollos, the Bobcats, the Stallions, okay. the Texans, and the Wild Catters. The Wild what? Wild Catters. What is that? Like Wildcat, but then Wild Catters. Oh, that would, that, that would have been rated really low. I feel like every Texas high school football team is called the Wildcats. But not Catters. Yeah, it's just bizarre. But I like Apollos. Apollos would have been cool. Yeah. But I think the, I think the final three were Apollos, Bobcats, and Texans. And Bob McNair went with the Texans. The logo is a bull's head with a flag of Texas in there. Like a, it's like a bull's head, but like half of it, it, it sort of looks like the flag of Texas in an abstract way. And this, it's also shaped like the state of Texas. It's a, it's a pretty abstract, unique logo, I would say. Oh, you know, I never really thought of it as being shaped like the state of Texas, but I guess you're right. Yeah, they, they crammed it all in there, Joe. There's a, there's a lot of layers of meaning in this logo. As we've been categorizing the different mascots and themes, we've talked about birds, we've talked about land mammals, we've talked about, I mean, I guess if there are whales, that would be a sea mammal, but okay. We've talked about- Dolphins, Joe. Dolphins. That's right. Okay. That's right. We're, we're going to get to some sea-based mammals. That's right. We talked about the buccaneers as the historical badass, and I guess you would talk about Texans as the same thing, though it does feel a little pandery to your audience. As I thought about what it- the thing I like about the Texans is thinking about the history of a team leaving Houston and you think energy capital of the world, we're calling them the Oilers. They're not going to leave. They're our team. They leave. If I recall correctly, they even stayed the the Tennessee Oilers for like two years after they left. It must be reassuring to a fan that your team's going to stay there for a while when they are just called the Texans. Be hard for them to leave for anywhere <laughs> but like San Antonio or Austin. Yeah. Well, the the Seattle Supersonics, they you thought they had that nice alliteration thing going. They could never they no. could never leave. No. They had fans <laughs> that loved them. The owner assured them it wasn't it wasn't all a scam to take them away. But I think they're pretty yeah. I think Bob McNair is a his roots are in Houston. He loves Houston. He would never move the team. Yeah, look, I I think that the Texans is fine. I think as far as historical badasses go, like, I don't know, you know, like the difference between a cowboy and a Texan, if they would get killed by a buccaneer, probably, you know, so I think it's fine. I think the buccaneers are going to get them. Oh, definitely. I think. But you don't want to mess with the Falcon. The Falcon wins all. <laughs> as we know now. You know, I think that the jersey, I think it's the only red, white, and blue jersey in the NFL. Am I, maybe the Bills? Um, I mean, it's fine. It's a little bit plain, a little bit boring, to be honest. Um, but it, it doesn't offend me in any way. I'm going to say four out of 10. Okay. Four out of 10. Middle of the row, but kind of knock off a point for lack of originality with the name. Apollos would have been really cool. Yeah. Texans are in a bit of a, a trough here, but maybe we can get it back with number 10. I'm feeling confident. They're going to they're gonna make a comeback. Number 10. Do they play a style of play you would enjoy watching? So as I alluded to before, they were terrible on offense last year. At least their quarterback play was terrible. Their quarterback rating by team was 72.4, which was third worst 
in the league ahead of only the LA Rams and the New York Jets, which we covered last week. They were dead last in yards per attempt at five and a half, which is just terrible. Brock Osweiler started 14 games, then they benched him, put in Tom Savage. He was bad. Put in Brock Osweiler again for the the postseason. As we mentioned before, Brock Osweiler has been traded, so they have no quarterback. But their defense is good. So it's not, it's, you know, those stats were saying, oh, they've got the best defense in the league. They had the best defense by yards, but they were 11th best in scoring defense. Right, which matters, which matters less than yards. Yeah, it's all about, <laughs> that's a, at the end of the game, they just total up the yards. And DVOA had them as the seventh best defense. And then last year it had them as the eighth best. And then the year before that, I think they were somewhere around uh, five to 10. So they've got a good defense, certainly in the top third of the league. Uh, but it's not the best defense in the league. I think, you know, this, this isn't, this defense has never really reached in the past two or three years the level that uh, Seattle or Denver has with their, where the defense is able to just drag the team to victory by being so good. However, if both Clowney, and again, I, I don't want to understate how dominant Clowney was. And, and if you, you know, the Patriots Texans game last year in the playoffs was a really interesting game. The Texans, defense really gave the Patriots a ton of trouble because they just got mm-hmm. Clowney himself is just like unguardable and you know the if the Texans weren't just completely inept and terrible on offense they could have easily won that game and that's without J.J. Watt so if J.J. Watt comes back healthy this year and a defense has to uh, guard both Clowney and J.J. Watt this is sort of the dream when they drafted Clowney right that they were like how is any team going to guard both of these guys and just based on injury and happenstance they really haven't both been on the field healthy but if that does happen this year it could really be just a special team to watch and personally as a fan myself I just when your team is getting a pass rush you know when they like focus in on a play starting that's like right. what you're seeing you're seeing the pass rush so if you're going to see JJ Watt and Clowney at work hopefully, if, if both of them are healthy. Yeah, I mean, stylistically, it, it almost reminds me of the Seahawks in that way, of like very, very strong, very aggressive defense. So you picture them with either Romo or with a drafted, some free agent quarterback, a like competent offense to be a, a really exciting style of play. I mean, I love a good defense, especially a defense that is an aggressive defense. As a defense, it's all about creating pass rush and putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. So I think yeah. it's actually a pretty exciting style of play. Though I think, I mean, to your point, they maybe are better in reputation than they are in actuality. On the injury issue, it's like we were saying earlier, where is it happenstance or is it actually players who are having trouble staying on the field chronically? And there's no reason to think that those problems wouldn't extend into this year or next year or the year after. Well, I think the issue, so Clowney had a little issue in his rookie year. Taking a, I mean, last year he was just a beast. J.J. Watt, though, he's a little worrying. He had like never missed a game and then he just had this back injury and then they did one surgery and I think they had to do another surgery. And so it's, um, J.J. Watt is a worry, though. Uh, the I read an article that said they're confident that J.J. Watt's going to be fine. You know, so it, it's... yeah. It remained to be seen. But if J.J. Watt and Clowney were both healthy at 100% on the field, it, it's it's almost worth tuning in just to, to see that. Yeah, no, that would be exciting. Okay, so I'm going to go with a 6.5 out of 10 on this. Okay, 6.5 out of 10. That is tied. No, no, not the best score. Cowboys are the best, but you're, you're enjoying the defense. 
Number 11. What is interesting about this fan base? So, Joe, I've scoured everything. I've gone to the Reddit pages. I've gone to the forums. There's nothing interesting about this fan base. They're the newest team in the NFL, founded in 2002. 20th 20th best TV ratings. They were 14th in that study about fan spending. 10th in stadium attendance. There was one thing I found that was like, what do you think of when you think of a Texans fan? And basically, it's like, ask this question as a way to think. Like, when you think of a Cowboys fan, you're thinking of some, like, front-running douchebag wearing that stupid little Cowboys star on their shirt. (laughs) But, like, what do you think of when you think of as a Texans fan? I think of someone who probably lives in Houston. Yeah, there's just, like, a random... I I think, like, all the douchebag Texans are Cowboys fans. And then Texans fans are just, like, the nice, like... I don't know, energy worker, <laughs> right. someone who lives in the Houston metropolitan right. area. Yeah, they've lived in Houston for a while. And they're like, oh, yeah, I like football. I'll go watch this team. I have a team. I'm on Texas. It does make me wonder about signing Romo. If you're a random fan in Texas, and let's say that you live in Houston, are you automatically rooting for the Texans or do you maybe root for the Cowboys? Would be my first question. Then secondly, if you are, let's say that you live somewhere in between Houston and Dallas. Let's say you live in Austin or San Antonio. Do you pick the Texans because, hey, look, they've given themselves kind of like a regional name. I'm a Texan. Or or (laughs) do you root for Dallas because they're America's team and they are pretty much in every category, both historical and current, better? So I feel like I have more questions about the Houston fan base than answers because I don't know who these people are. And particularly when you add in the Romo wrinkle, you know, back when we had our really um, fierce rivalry with the Broncos, the Chargers, is what I mean by we. And like, we hated Jay Cutler and they hated Phillip Rivers. Had we swapped quarterbacks, San Diego fans would have still hated Jay Cutler because we had like grown to hate him. And and I think Dallas... Yeah. Or, well, Jay Cutler is easily detestable. But I think Denver fans also equally would have hated Phillip Rivers, even though he proved to be a much better quarterback but the texans and the cowboys aren't rivals right but doesn't that speak to like the sort of like bland nature of the texans fan base that like no you should be rivals you should be rivals with your nearest state counterpart that calls themselves america's team yeah they're bland there's nothing there's nothing more to it there's there's good old energy executives (laughs) they they come you know when the super bowl comes to town they spend that oil money or that energy money. And uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm more tapping into a fun fan culture here. I'm going to say three out of 10. Wow. Almost the, the Chargers are lower, which I think is <laughs> yeah. fair. The yeah. LA Chargers. You tied it with Tampa yeah. Bay, which yeah, is. That's about right. I think it's fair. If, if any Houston Texan fan saw us on the Reddit and has listened this far, they send us some hate mail, please. NFL at JoePixPod.com. Send us, send us the real, send us what we're missing. What is true about Texas yeah. fans? Tell us, tell us what's interesting. Because I looked. I went to yeah. the Houston forums. I was like, searching. What are we missing? Uh, I couldn't yeah. find it. It's, a, it's tough, though, because they don't have this super long history. And even, you know, the Houston Oilers, did, I, they had like Warren Moon for a while. Like, he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, that was fun. But, you know, that's it's like, I feel like when the team goes away and then the team relocates, I, I think it's sort of, you lose that history a little bit. And I'm sure there's some reason for it. But the Browns intentionally became the Browns again. 
They sued to, to keep their name and, and their franchise history and stats. And I think when we talk about Brown's culture, we talk about it in an uninterrupted string, knowing that there was a yeah. gap where they didn't yeah, have a team to talk about it as one history. Yeah. With the Texans, they really do feel like an expansion team that is a new team, not just an extension of the Oilers. And maybe had they decided to call themselves, and it, maybe there were legal reasons or practical reasons why they didn't want to be the Oilers again. But why they would reject that history when at least that would be some fan culture. I'm sure there's good reasons for it, but it does leave sort of a team without really much history to it. Yeah. Okay, I think the score is fair. Sorry, Houston. Boy, they got off to a really? great start, yeah. but these last few have been there. But this is it, our last piece of business, which is great. This is the the fatigue is setting in, Joe, but we just have one more thing. Rate that uh, Texas tea which you were drinking, which I see is it's not fully consumed, but you've you've definitely uh, gotten you drank seventy five percent of it at I'm least. I'm not feeling super sober. We'll, we'll say that for sure. Uh, it is um, well, it's warm now, which is unpleasant. You know, mixing all those different alcohols, I thought it was going to be much worse than it actually was. You know, as a drink that tastes decent but really packs a heavy alcoholic punch, and this is, you know, I said last week, I really appreciate drinks that are good two-ingredient drinks. I think this is the flip side, which I also appreciate, which is drinks that have more ingredients than you think would be good together that somehow do complement each other. Yeah. It's pretty good, but it's not great, and definitely tastes terrible when it's not cold. Uh, but we're going to go on the higher end with a 6 out of 10. Wow, Joe. Much higher than based on your uh, pre, yeah, it, pre-podcast <laughs> thoughts about the drink. <laughs> it's just, the drink just knocks you off. By the end of the drink, you're just a different person than when you were at the beginning of the drink. You can't hate it. By the time you finish one of these, you cannot dislike it. Wow. So <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed that I could not have joined Next you. Next time. But my tea <laughs> was great. I'm excited. I'm excited that we, we powered through the Texans. Yeah, we overcame. <laughs> It's going to be our longest podcast by far. Deservedly so. The the good news is we don't have to pick the next team. We know we're doing the Atlanta Falcons, which we're probably going to do live in Seattle next weekend, which maybe if we're really lucky and we go for the doubleheader, it would be a perfect opportunity to also do the Washington Football Club. But we'll, we'll see how that works out. We're definitely at least doing the Atlanta Falcons. But before we get to that, we need to get your final or whether you're putting them in the maybe pile or whether you're eliminating them, Houston Texans come in with a 69 out of 120. And to give you some other sample scores, the Buccaneers at 65, you rejected, but the Broncos at 62 and the Chargers at 62, you put in the maybe pile. You, The other teams you've eliminated were at 55, the Jets, and 38, the Browns. So at 69... They are the third highest team you've gotten thus far behind the Cowboys at 79 and the Eagles at 71. Yeah, I think Houston has been a surprising team to me. I think that I I try and do this podcast fresh, Uh, but I did come in with some preconceived notions and thinking that maybe I didn't like the Texans that much or that like, okay, we got to do this one. But I really feel like I've learned a lot about the Texans and I'm, I'm surprised by them. So I think they deserve to move forward. All right. Boom. Put a Maybell straight to the Sweet 16. All right. That's very exciting, Joe. I'm excited. I always like when a team uh, has a chance. And when they beat expectations. And, you know, for those Reddit fans, what they don't realize is that that has an impact on you, too. You know, what? how if they if those fans sort of embrace you. We'll see if they welcome me with open arms or not. Yeah. <laughs> if they, 
Well, I'll tell you, if they listen to the entirety of this podcast, they give themselves a pat on the back. You're great. Seriously. Okay, that's it. We're done. Uh, anybody remember, again, if you've listened this far, send a goddamn, send a mailbag. Send it. Send something about this ridiculously long episode. Send something about the Atlanta Falcons, what you experienced during that Super Bowl. Joe and I are going to be live next week. We want to read mailbags. We're going to be, we're going to mix our own it's going to have a drink that's going to have some kick to it. I'll be healthy. Things are going to be great. And we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Send something. For God's sake, you listen to this and you can't even send us one sentence to help us out. One thing. Don't leave a review. We don't want reviews. In fact, if you wrote a review, delete it and put it in an email. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks, Dan. See ya.